Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, good morning, everyone. It's, our, it's a blessing and an honor and a privilege to be here this morning. I bring you greetings from Joinville, Brazil. We just had a, a season of flooding, and, uh, but God kept us uh, alive. Amen. So it's always good to come to the house of God and see the faithful people and always enjoy seeing new faces. Uh, amen. So... I want to ask you this morning to turn your Bibles to a very known story in the Gospel of Mark chapter 10. Mark <clears throat> chapter 10, uh, we got an opportunity this past year to go to the conference in Argentina. Pastor Paul Stevens was there, he preached the conference, he did a bunch of uh, mostly evening services and seminars and I was privileged to translate for him, uh, and we were able to take a couple with us. And that couple, you know, we've been working with them for a long time and investing in them. And we get back, you know, they're growing, they're learning, trying to get out of the culture of religion and uh, Catholicism and different things. Uh, and we get back, we're setting up a service, and he comes to me and he asks me, Pastor, I got a question. And maybe you never had this question. I'm just letting you know what I deal with in Brazil. I know you guys don't have that problem here. But he asked me, he said, Pastor, because he had heard all the sermons at the conference, he said, Pastor, am I a disciple? And I have to be honest with you. I had to think about it so I wouldn't hurt his feelings. You can laugh. Because... I look at those things with a certain level. And either you are reaching or you are not there. And finally, I told him the same thing I tell anyone else that asks me that question. I says, you know, that question is for you to answer. That question is not for me to answer if you're a disciple. And just because you're here this morning or you consider yourself a member of the congregation... How many know that doesn't mean that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ? You know, the word has a much different meaning than just the word. And hopefully by the time we finish this morning, uh, you'll be able to answer that question if you are a disciple. And if you are a disciple, what are you doing about it? If you're called to preach, what are you doing about it? Are you preparing yourself for that? If you're called to be a pastor's wife, Missionary, missionary's wife. Are you preparing yourself for that? Because every one of us will experience in life great pressure to choose either self-will or discipleship. We're going to face pressure in choosing serving God on discipleship or serving God on our own conditions, on our own terms. Because the reality is you cannot have it both ways. So I can begin this morning by answering that question, am I a disciple, this way. You are not a disciple if you're only serving God for what God can do for you or if you're only serving God under your own conditions, under your own terms. Because there has to be a denial, a death of self, and a cross to pick up. And this morning in the text we're going to read, we see this story, very, very, very known, very famous story of a man called the rich young ruler. You know, it's funny because this story is in the Bible in three of the four Gospels. You know, every Gospel writer includes in the Gospel the things that most impress their time with Jesus Christ. The only story that it's on all four Gospels is the feeding of the 5,000, the multitudes. That one, everybody was like blown away. Their caps came off. Uh, you know, they were just blown away. But this story is on three of the four Gospels. And this man, we want to see what he did with the opportunity of a lifetime. Let's read verse 17, Mark 10. As Jesus started to leave... A man ran to him, fell on his knees before Jesus and asked, God, good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? 
Jesus answered, why do you call me good? Only God is good. You know the commands, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not tell lies about your neighbors, you must not cheat, honor your father and your mother. Verse 20, the man said, teacher, I've observed, I've obeyed all these things since I was a little boy. Jesus looked at the man, loved him. If you have a Bible, a paper Bible, underline that he loved him. And said, there's one more thing that you need to do. Go and sell everything you have. Give the money to the poor. and You will have treasures in heaven. Then come, take up your cross and follow me. He was very sad to hear Jesus said this. And he left sorrowfully because he was rich. Then Jesus looked up his followers and said, how hard is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were again amazed, blown away at what Jesus said. But he said again, my children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for the camel, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And then the followers were even more surprised. And he said, and he said to, and, and they said to each other, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at the man and said, at them and said, for people, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Peter looked at Jesus and said, look, we have left everything and follow you. And Jesus says, I'll tell you the truth. All those who have left houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, children, or forms, uh, or farms for me and the and for the good news, will get more than they left. Here in this world, they will have a hundred times more homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields. And with those things, they will also suffer with, uh, for their belief. But in the age that is coming, they will have eternal life. And many who at uh, many who are first now will be last in the future, and many who are last now will be first in the future, not on your conditions. Let's first of all talk and look at this man and the incredible lifetime opportunity that he gets because, like I said, this is written in three of the Gospels. And the response that Jesus gave took them by surprise. I mean, how many times have you seen someone come into church in the middle of service, run up to the altar, kneel down before pastor and said, Pastor, what must I do to get saved? I never see. Maybe you have. In Brazil, we don't see it. And this contradicted the way they thought, the way they're, of their thinking. And Jesus was answering back to him things that they were not expecting. They, uh, uh, they were shocked. They were surprised by the words Jesus uh, was using. You know, they were, like I said, they, you know, when Jesus was picking up disciples, he never had one person come and say, please, can I follow you? This was the only guy. You know, people would come to Jesus for miracles. People would come to Jesus just to listen to the words. Ah, oh, he's a good teacher, even the religious people. But this young man comes, falls on his feet, on his knees, and asks, good teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? You know, up until now, you're looking from the outside and say, wow, this man is going to be the top dog. This is a great disciple. Look at that. What potential? Running, falling on his knees. You know, that was more than anyone else that, Jesus, that was following Jesus. And then when they ask him, well, you know, you have to do this, you have to do that. He said, hey, I've done all that. How many here you came to church and you never lied, you never cheated, and you obeyed all the commandments, and uh, you obeyed your father and your mother? So he's ahead of us. Just chew on that. Think about that. So I'm sure the disciples were impressed. This guy had, I've done all that. I'm done. I mean, I'm there. What else? On top of that, 
back in that culture, if you were rich, that was seen as the blessing of the Lord. You had money? <laughs> the Lord is with them. And the guy said he was rich. He had favor and blessing. I'm sure the disciples were again impressed. And then comes that final conversation which I've had with my pastor, with my pastors. I've had it all my life. Uh, one thing you lack. You know, you will lack at least one thing. And you know, until you make it to heaven, you will always lack at least one thing. On this side of heaven. In this case, go sell everything you need. You have, give, give to the poor, treasure. you'll have treasures in heaven. Pick up your cross and follow me. That pick up the cross and follow me will come with everything that you need. Everything, it will come with it. And suddenly the story turns, and out of a very impressive story, this guy suddenly is very sad. He lives sorrowful because he was rich. And then Jesus, on top of that, puts a little lemon on the cut, puts a little hot sauce on somebody who's already hurting and tells them, how hard will it be for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? And now the disciple says, what are we going to do? They were amazed at what Jesus said. The Amplified Bible says the disciples were astonished, bewildered, perplexed, terrified, frightened, shocked at his words. And Jesus didn't stop there. That's what I like about Jesus because he'll always got a little bit more to chew on you. He's never satisfied to leave you the way you are. And he says, um, Jesus said again, my children, it's very hard to enter in heaven. So just don't think you're just cruising into the kingdom because you got it going on. Don't, don't, don't do that. And this was just another level. The disciples were beyond shocked. And I'm saying, they say, if this guy cannot make it, if this man cannot do it, who else can be saved? I'm sure they were ready to all quit. <laughs> Jesus, see you. you. You wasted your best opportunity. The rest of us, we're all gone. And the way of their thinking was very evident. And how many know that you can think one way and Jesus will always think a different way? And see, this story should surprise you and I for many reasons. Number one, here's a wonderful opportunity. Imagine how many here, you have come to church and you have heard the voice of Jesus Christ calling you to serve him, to do his will? Very, very rare face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus. He calls him. I never had Jesus in front of me calling me to follow him. Maybe you did. In Brazil, they have that statue. But people can stand in there. It ain't talking. It's dead. It was made by a Catholic. And you know, Jesus didn't have like 100 disciples or 200 disciples. He didn't have a church of 500. He only had 12 that were selected disciples. The rest of the people, they'll follow, listen. But, you know, they had lives, they had families, they had responsibilities. The closest one, if you want to use one that got closer to this guy, was the gathering demoniac. How many remember the gathering demoniac? Jesus comes off the lake, uh, they gets off the boat, and this guy comes out of the, the cemetery. Ah, Jesus, uh, let us, uh, uh, leave us alone for we are many. And he does, <laughs> leave us. And he does all that. And Jesus does his miracle thing, delivers the guy. The guy is set free and everything is great. And the guy says, when Jesus is leaving, Lord, may I, may I go with you? May I? He did. Jesus didn't call him. He said, may I go with you? And what did Jesus tell him? No, go back home and tell everybody what, you, what I did for you. So this guy had an opportunity that nobody else had. And remember, I said to underline 
a verse on your Bible. He said, Jesus loved them. He looked at him and loved them before he told them, get rid of all this stuff. This stuff is crowding you from being able to serve me. How many know there's things in life that can keep you from serving God? I mentioned Wednesday, Thursday night on the Spanish service. When I got saved, I had over 500 records. I used to be a DJ. And thank God for people that take used things. Cedric Broughton came home and he was happy to walk away with my two Technics uh, 1200 Mark II uh, turntables that were $500 back then. And he was, hey, praise the Lord, brother. And he just, he had no problem doing that. Oh, Cedric, how are you? Didn't see you. And then I had this great idea. I mentioned to them, I had this great idea to just go and sell all those records downtown and put the money in the offering. Pastor, I got a God spoke to me. I said, really, Manuel? What was it? Well, you know, I got all those records. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to sell them downtown. And even if it is a dollar a record, that's 500 bucks, I'll put in the offering. He says, Manuel, don't pass your sin to others. Because there are things in life that can crowd you and keep you from serving God. And this man was his riches. Sometimes it's a job. Sometimes it's a status. Sometimes it's a, a fashion, a friend, a people that you don't want to let go. And he walked away. You know, not everybody who has an opportunity to be a disciple accepts that responsibility accepts that opportunity. Because a lot of people want to be known as followers of Jesus. Again, I'm speaking in Brazil. And some of them even want to be known as disciples, but they won't accept the conditions of discipleship. They won't accept the conditions and the terms that Jesus puts on you and I. And he laid it out. You know, this rich and ruler just didn't like him. The rich and ruler did not like those conditions. He won't accept them. And I'll tell you why. Because he wanted to serve God on his own terms. He wanted to serve God his way. Not God's way, but his way. He doesn't think anyone else's opinions about how he should go about serving God was necessary. He didn't like the fact that oh, a pastor telling me to dress up, to pray, to live right, to live clean. Uh, someone telling me, you know, it's funny. People want to go to heaven, but they don't want nobody to teach them how to get there. In Brazil, I find that all the time. Here, I know everybody knows how to get to heaven. And you guys got a, a, a passport and all ticket punch and, and visa but, you know, in Brazil, people want to make it to heaven. And when you tell them, oh, brother, you know, you have to stop shacking up. You have to come to church, be faithful, give, read your Bible, pray. And they look at you like, like a deer with, in front of the headlights. I'm sure what this guy wanted to do, and you may not agree with me, he just wanted Jesus to tell him that he was doing all right. He, uh, this is why uh, uh, the question, uh, uh, am I a disciple? Can I make it to heaven? What do I need to do? He just wanted aff affirmation. He didn't want no correction. He just wanted, you're such a good boy. The Lord bless you. Oh, come here, my son. Let me pray for you. The Lord bless you. Oh, Hallelujah. He just wanted affirmation. He wants Jesus to affirm him, to validate his own conditions. I'm going to serve God my own terms. Brother, as long as you serve him, you're good. God knows my heart. You know, there's people that all they want is affirmation. They don't want correction. They don't want to be challenged. And when this man leaves the encounter with Jesus Christ, he's thinking, Many people read that story and think, oh, he left away sorrowful. True, that's what the story says. But think with me. 
I'm sure he left thinking, I'm okay. Because he didn't say nothing else. That's only one thing out of so many. I know the text says he left very sad. You know, he was probably disappointed that Jesus didn't agree with him with everything. That, you know, but, you know, he didn't leave upset enough to say, you know what? I better change. He did not leave and walked as a, and you know what? If I don't change, I'm going to hell. He didn't do that. He left my life. I guess I'm okay. Because he doesn't say he left, man, I'm going to hell. I'm going to go to hell. No, he, he just left. How many know people walk away from the opportunity and the challenge of discipleship all the time? And what that happens is people don't want the conditions of discipleship. And, you know, I know this is a fellowship church, preach discipleship. But how many know every Christian is supposed to be, is called to be a disciple? Bible says in the book of uh, Acts, it says uh, the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. First time they were called Christians, they were already disciples. So if you're going to be a Christian, you should already be a disciple. But we all think, especially in our fellowship, that this is common, that everybody knows about discipleship. We all know what discipleship is all about. Hey, this, you come in, oh, a disciple. Yes, pastor. No, pastor. Prayer. Yes. Hallelujah. We do everything because they put that thing on our head. Yes, sir. People automatically agree to the conditions. The question is, do you agree? Because just like this rich young ruler, not everybody does. In John 6, verse 60 and 66, many of his disciples, therefore, when they heard what he said... They said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Verse 66, and from that day, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. We'll see. In other words, they refuse um, uh, increasing challenges. They refuse um, when the pastor said, uh, can you lead an outreach? Uh, pastor, sorry, that's not my ministry. It's not my calling. They refuse the challenges. We all know the word disciple is a learner, a pupil, and it's a very simple word, but how many know it means a whole lot more than that? But not everybody wants to become one. Because real discipleship is defined by what this man didn't want to do. Real discipleship is not what, it's what you don't want to do, what I don't want to do, what I struggle with every morning and God deals with me over and over. And, and again, this we see in Brazil a lot. Here, I'm sure you guys are on the other side of the wave. But just to take a look at a couple of things. You know, this guy was unwilling to accept the authority of Jesus. You know, many people want to follow Jesus and have a Jesus Love Me t-shirt. In Brazil, they wear it all the time. They have this shirt, they have this hat with a cross, and the cross writes the word faith on it. I mean, it's so... Religious and the shirts, and they, I mean, they, and they get tattooed. The other day, not the other day, actually, last year, we were preparing for a celebration in church. I forgot what it was. And so I went with another disciple, actually, this guy who asked me if he was a disciple. We went to, to a store to buy some, something for the food. And we're in line. And in front of us, there's this guy. And on the back of his head, tattooed, Jesus. And it's, it's the same five letters in Portuguese, by the way. It's no extra accents. Or, Jesus. And he's got a wife beater. I mean, he's covered up on tattoos, and, and that's fine. You know, whatever rocks your boat. And he's in front with his sister, his mom, and a little boy who, who knows who that little boy was. He was probably one of them... Uh, Legion things, part of the team. But, you know, in the line, the line is long. This guy picked up one of those Pringle, uh, Pringles, Pringles potato chips, and he, and we in line up. And then we turn, and the register over there, and then, and we're behind him. 
and he's eating his Pringles. And by the time we get closer, there's maybe one or two people before, before he gets to the register. It's him with his uh, crew and family. And then I'm behind him uh, with, with my, uh, the guy from my church. And, and he, he, he takes the Pringles, puts it back in the, in the shelf. I, I mean, this is, I'm telling you, this doesn't happen here in America. I know, but in Brazil, what can I say? And, you know, all I did was uh, in front of the mother. I said, excuse me. You forgot your Pringles. <laughs> oh. And then the sister, which I think it was probably a girlfriend, elbowing him and grabbing him and wants to pay it. And uh, but, but, you know, it's what this guy didn't want to do. He didn't want to submit. The question is, are you a man or a woman that is submitted? Can you... Be challenged to the point where you will change or successfully challenged where you will, be ch where you will actually change. Because it's easy. Pastor, I'm having problems in my marriage. Sister, why don't you stop being so bossy with your husband? Why don't you love him and let the Lord do a work in it? That's what my wife did to me. Why don't you just love him and let the Lord change his heart? No, Pastor, because I don't. Okay, so you don't want to be changed. Why you come like this rich young ruler? Hey, I want to... You don't want to. He didn't want to submit. He didn't want to accept the authority. Let me ask you a question. Who's able to speak into your life? Who has the final word? Or is it always you and only you? Because he was quite comfortable with being the final word in his life. That's why he walked away. Do you notice when he came to talk to Jesus, he didn't say, Lord... What must I do? No, he said, good teacher. That tells you a little bit about his thinking. And, you know, what we see is this is a man that is not submitted. He wasn't looking for an authority figure in his life. I'll tell you what, I needed. I was in the military. When I got saved, I've been in the service nine years. I, 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 was, a, I was a staff sergeant. I knew how to run people. I knew how to uh, march troops and everything. But I needed authority in my life. I majorly needed authority in my life. He didn't want nobody to challenge him. And if somebody would challenge him, he wouldn't accept them. You tell him, that, who do you think you are, man? Like I said, I'm sure you're not going to be able to do the will of God on your own. I need a pastor to teach me. I need a man to show me the way. I need a church to help me walk because we all need support from one another. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey those that rule over you and be submissive. There's that word, God. Even in the English Bible, it's here too. Man, Brazilians don't like that. For they watch for up for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. You know, not only he was unwilling to accept Jesus' authority, he didn't want to accept, he didn't want to detach or separate himself from the familiar. He was used to his riches. He was used to his friends, the people that he hang around. In this case, he chose money over discipleship. But, you know, I remember when I got saved, I had to break with a lot of relationships that I had to be able to say, I want to follow Jesus. I don't want to live the old life. You cannot continue to stay stuck with the old friends, the old places, the old everything, and have a new life. And this guy didn't want to part with that. Didn't want to walk away. And I'll tell you, Jesus knows exactly what he's doing when he challenges you. And he's not afraid to offend you or I, just like he wasn't afraid to offend this guy. This guy risked eternity and discipleship over money. And every disciple will be challenged. You will have to choose the uncertainty of the life living for Christ with just verbal promises. I was translating a song for the video yesterday, and one line on the song says, 
I will follow even though I don't know where you're leading me. That pretty much says it all. And so this guy chose a short-term benefit over a long-term blessing and reward. Verse 21, there's one more thing that you need to do. Go and sell everything you have. Give the money to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Then come take up your cross and follow me. Question, if Jesus comes to you and tells you, hey, you need to give up those friends that you have. You actually need to move out of that neighborhood because you got a bad influence over there. Oh, and all that clothing you wear, like you used to wear when you were six and eight, and now you're 20 plus and doesn't fit anymore. You need to get rid of it. Would you do like the rich young ruler? And you know, this wasn't good enough. He said that's not good enough because he trusted in himself more than the promises of God. That's when Jesus tells him the disciples were amazed at what Jesus said. But he said again, my children, it's very hard to enter in the kingdom of God. It's easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And one more thing this man was unwilling to do. And you know, I take this one at heart. Because I joined the military in 1984 so I could get a decent, stable job so I could get married with my wife. She was in Brazil. I was in America. I needed, you know, I know starting as a private, making minimum wage is not this great job. But I wanted to get married. I wanted a family. And so the military moved me to South Carolina, to Texas, to um, north of Baltimore, to California, to... Uh, to Germany, uh, to Georgia. You know, where I am is not important. This guy was unwilling to locate himself. And you know why I say that? Because discipleship has a location. You cannot choose to serve God wherever you like. You've got to serve God where God places you. Can you imagine your arms suddenly say, Oh, brother, I know that you use me a lot for fixing your hair or putting your pants and your shoes. But you know, I found another person who needs me more. I'm going to let you go, okay? And the arm goes, ling, 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 walking out, finds another body, and here you are without an arm. How are you going to get dressed? Because the Bible says we're all members of the body that Jesus puts together as he pleases. And you know, discipleship has a location. Because real discipleship will always tie you or fix you to a location. It matters where you serve God. I remember, I come in Athens. I'm in the military. I'm having some issues. This is why I got saved. Some issues at work besides the issues at home. That Everybody heard all that before. But I'm having some issues at work. And Elaine is coming to church, and she tells Pastor Lavalli that I'm going crazy, that the army wants to fire me, but they won't tell me why. And he goes, and one day uh, drops by the house, and, uh, hey, how you doing, brother? What's going on? How's it going? Uh, you know, how's work? Well, you know, I'm going to pray for your job that things get resolved. And I say, okay, I'll take your prayer. And you know, a few months later, the whole problem resolved. Actually, it was resolved to my benefit. You know, they, they, they asked me, sorry, because one guy overstepped his authority because he didn't like me. He was prejudiced, and he was writing ugly letters about me that were not true. And right out of that, I got promoted. Praise the Lord. I get a pay raise. Praise the Lord. And a couple of months after that, I get a set of military orders. Congratulations, you've been selected to become the first sergeant of the 21st Detachment in, Frank in Frankfurt, Germany. That's another promotion. That's another pay raise. And you know, I struggled with that. I really did because I didn't want to leave the church that God saved me at. I did not. I said, I, and people at work, man, don't worry about it, man. There's churches everywhere in the world, man. Everywhere you go, there's churches. I said, uh-uh. You don't know what you're talking about. And I struggled with that. I remember an evangelist came and preached a revival. And, you know, I just, I just 
we were out reaching and, and said, hey, what are you doing, brother? I'm doing good. And I said, Pat, how do you know where God wants you to be? You know, he told me this story that I use it today when I'm witnessing to people. It's very simple. He said, you know, imagine Jesus spoke about John the Baptist as the greatest prophet that ever lived, right? Imagine if John the Baptist would have accepted the calling of baptized, which would have baptized Jesus, after he finished his college career. Uh, Lord, uh, can I finish my college education? I got a degree to finish. Or what if he said, Lord, you know that Jordan River? The water is a little muddy. We're not going to get a lot of people coming to get baptized in a dirty river. Can we go to another place? But when Jesus came at the Jordan River, well, John the Baptist would have been there. Would he have fulfilled his calling, which was baptizing Jesus? Because discipleship has, a, has to do with a place. It's specific. You cannot be a disciple without this. It's one of the conditions. It's location. Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. Don't just follow whoever you want. Don't just go to the, oh, the people on TV and the YouTube. No. He's saying, I cannot, Jesus is telling him, I cannot do what I want to do in your life unless you attend, unless you're here with me. You know, you'd be surprised how many times. I used to hear it here all, all the time. You know, people, I, I always heard this. Maybe you heard it too. People miss the service they need the most. You know, you know people. You know what people are going through. People are going through issues at home, with family, sickness, car, finances. And, I mean, it could be a revival, it could be a regular service. The service they, they need the most, like, you know, that's going to open the door, it's going to set them free. They miss it. And that's where Jesus wants to help you. But if you're not here, he cannot help you. I know, I know we get sick. I know, I remember, I almost didn't, almost didn't make it Wednesday night. I went to preach Wednesday night, uh, Thursday night, I mean, for the Spanish ministry. Wednesday night, I went to eat for, uh, I went to preach for, for Wallace. He took me out to, to a Mexican restaurant, and I didn't know that Montezuma was there, and he almost killed me. But, you know, this was the difference between this young man and the disciples. Because in Luke 5.11, it says, So when they have brought their boats to land... They abandoned, that's what the word forsook means. They let go of everything and they followed Jesus. They said, that's it. Listen, the best decision I've ever made in my life as a new convert and every other opportunity that I had was to commit to this church. You have no idea the joy that I had in me when Thursday night, I always dream of having a Spanish services. Because half of the congregation has some kind of link to Spanish. And Wednesday night I come, not only we have Spanish service, I get to preach it. If you see how many people that speak Spanish are here without Spanish service, imagine if we would support the Spanish service, how many more people would, we would need to knock this wall quick, Pastor? This is the key to destiny. Pastor was talking about that this morning in the Sunday school. Because you can only be disciple in the place that God chooses for your life, not where you want. Faith is always fixed to a location. Remember Abraham? Abraham, leave your place, leave the family, your dad, everything, and go to the place, the location I'm going to show you. Don't go wherever you want, Abraham. Don't get your GPS. Oh, I lost signal. I'm lost. Go to where I tell you, the land that I'm going to show you. Elisha, he would have never become the prophet that he became if he would have not followed Elijah. No, just stay here. Keep, keep working on your field there. Take care of your dad. It's not where you want. And all these people, including Abraham and Elisha, they all had an opportunity to stay behind. And finally, discipleship is a choice. 
You know, our text shows very clear that not everyone is going to accept the terms and the conditions or make the right choices. It's, it's, I wish I could tell you, yes, everyone that walks in here, we've had people here that were in ministry. I remember when I got saved, I had people that got saved after I did, together with Bill. People that would preach, people that had talent that would, it would make me want to puke. Every instrument they touch, they could play. I cannot even play nothing. I can play nothing. I try. I even try to do guitar lessons. My fingers started cutting. I said, forget it. I, I just can't. There was people, I mean, they could sit on the drums and like, man, the keyboard, whatever they touch, they, I mean, it would be like an opera. But you know, they chose another location. They didn't want to submit. They were unwilling to separate themselves from the familiar that was causing them harm. Listen, Jesus, everything he does to you is to challenge you. But you have to make a choice. You're going to have to make a choice whether you call yourself a disciple or not because it's going to depend on you, on the choices you make. Verse 22, he was very sad to hear Jesus said this, so he left sorrowfully because he was rich. This man had the same opportunity that I had, that you have, that anyone had. And it, I mean, I've had people come in these doors, cry in the altar, walk out of here. Wow. I've had some that are here. I have some that today are in jail. There was a guy that was in the military with me, came to church. He was having major problems with his wife, major problems. Very religious. We try to work with him. Finally, he comes, comes to church. I pray with him at the altar. This guy was weeping. I think we wasted one or two boxes of Kleenex, which I don't even see them anymore. Maybe people don't cry anymore. And, and next thing you know, just pastor, thank you so much. Goes back to work. Never came to church again. A week later, went back to visit his wife that left him with the kids. Did some stupid things. Still in jail. And you know, one point of reference for this whole story as I close. Peter is watching all this happening. You know, Peter is like, you know, the leader of the group, kind of. And he's watching all this happening. The kid comes, oh, what must I do to get saved? And please, Lord. And he says, the money, oh, God, the money. Ooh. And, you know, he's watching all this happening. And I'm sure this had to cause a big impact on his life. Because it takes, it takes faith to be a disciple. And then Peter said, uh, Jesus said, look at, look at them when they see them all sad. And he said, you know, for people, this is, for men, this is impossible. For people, this is impossible. But for, with God, all things are possible. You can do it. If you stick with God, he'll help you. You can do it. Because if I can do it, anybody can. Because I ain't nobody special. You know, you can trust God with your life. You can trust God with your future. You can trust God with your provision. You can trust God. You know, uh, the problem is, that, like this young man. Some people are not willing to do that. And Peter goes and says, look, Lord, we left everything to follow you. Like, isn't that good enough? Is that good for something? Listen, discipleship ultimately is a choice. It's a choice you're required to do every day. You, it's a choice that you have to do. You have no idea. Brother Al Cooper. You know, because I said I'm not leaving the army, because I said I'm not leaving this church, because I made changes not to detach myself from the place where God saved me and planted me, I needed a job. And out of the blue, without expecting, five days after I am unemployed, I get a call from across the street. And guess who was working there? Brother Al Cooper. Not only that, 
Now, the Al Cooper brought food every night. Guess what? I, I wasn't 100% saved. I still was a, a little bit of a moocher, which I'm sure nobody here knows what that means. Right, Cedric? Praise the Lord. And you know, and I would go and sit there and say, hey, brother, start witnessing to him. And he'll be eating there. So he felt bad that he was eating in front of me. He said, hey, man, you want a little bit? Sure, man. I'll bless the food with you and break bread. So, you know, start eating with Next thing you know, I said, man, this guy always wants to eat my food. But you know, I ate his food and he's here today. You say whatever you want. But, you know, if I, I just wonder if I would have said, no, let me go to Germany and get that first sergeant promotion. Let me just uh, find a church somewhere else. I wonder if Al Cooper would still be there. Or where would he be? And I'm just giving you one example. Discipleship is a choice. But I'll tell you what. If you surrender, you're willing to lay it all on the line. God will help you. This morning, the good news is that this altar is a place where we can do that. And you can answer that question. Are you a disciple? Let's bow our heads this morning and close our eyes. Every head bow and every eye closed just for a moment as we close the service. Hallelujah. You can now answer that question. Hallelujah. I'm not puffing myself up. I'm just telling you some of the things that I'm trying to put in the hearts of people in Brazil because it's Christianity is a culture shock. Jesus brought a culture shock. And 30 years ago, I walked into a little church just so people would not bug me to go to church. And a man that I did not know, never met before, preached a sermon. And I asked, who told him about my life? Because Christianity is a culture shock. This man in our text, the known rich young ruler, he had a culture shock. And he did not respond well to that opportunity. He did not respond well to the invitation. Like I said, 30 years ago, I came into church and I heard this man reading me like an open book. And I knew inside of me, I said, I don't think I can do all that. But whatever I have left in me, I'm going to try. And I came to an altar. Someone prayed with me. I gave my life to Jesus. 30 years later, my family keeps growing. You don't know the joy that it is for me to come here and see people that I'm seeing for the first time. Some people that I saw with one month of salvation. Brother Wilbur from Jamaica is here. I was a young convert as raw could be in Jamaica. And I met Brother Wilbur. And here it is. You know, your family can keep growing. And you can have the assurance that this man asked Jesus, what can I do to inherit eternal life? To have eternal life, you can get saved. You can accept Jesus in your heart. And you can become a disciple. Maybe this morning you're here, you're not saved, you're not right with God, there's sin in your life. Uh, you know it. You know that there's things in your heart that Jesus does not approve of. I just ask you that you be honest with yourself. Don't, don't try to cover the sun with your finger. You won't be able to. You'll get burned in the end. You know what you got to do. This man knew. He just didn't want to do it. And This morning, God is putting his finger right on your heart. And you know the things you have to let go. If you don't let go of those things, brother, sister, you will not. I'm telling you. You can't, you, you won't be able to make it. But this morning you want to accept Jesus in your heart. You realize this is not the path you want to keep moving in life. This is not the way you want to keep living. Quickly, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed. No one looking around. 
I want you to be honest with yourself and with God. You want to accept Jesus in your heart, would you? Do me a favor and lift up your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I need Jesus. I want to get saved. Thank you very much. You can put it down. Anyone else? Honest hearts. Thank you very much. You can put it, you can put it down. Anyone else? Quickly. God is dealing with hearts. Quickly. Quickly. Don't, do not resist the Holy Ghost, brother. There's people here. I carry you when you were a baby in my arms. You're resisting the Holy Ghost. Don't do it. If you know anything about the times we're living, I don't know how much time we got left or you have left. One last time. You're not saved. You're not right with God. Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for your sins so you don't have to pay the consequences of your sins. Don't resist God. Surrender. One last chance. Lift up your hand. If you have not done so, say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus. Quickly. Thank you very much. Again, you can put it down. Anyone else? One last chance. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you lifted up your hand, would you look up at me, please, for a second? Do you mean that? Can you come here? I want someone to come pray for you. You mean that? Come here. I want somebody to come pray for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you very much. God bless you. Hallelujah. Kneel down here. God's going to, she's going to pray with you. God's going to help you. Hallelujah. Maybe you're backslidden this morning. Maybe at one time you knew the love of God. You served God. You did everything God wanted you to do. But somehow you got the rich young ruler syndrome. I'll do what I want, when I want, how I want, and where I want. And this morning you find yourself empty. You can try to finesse. You can try to talk your way out of it. You can try to show that you're this and that and try to... Paint the good picture, but deep down inside, you're empty. You're dry. I want to give you a chance. You're backslidden this morning. You're not right with God. God's calling you home. Stop resisting. Lift up your hands. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus. I would count it a privilege to pray with you. There's people here. You need to answer God. God's calling you. God's touching your heart right now. It's not me. It's the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let me speak to Christians this morning. Discipleship is the, is the answer. That's what Jesus came for, to teach us discipleship. And this morning, maybe you are half away a disciple. Maybe you are not 100% a disciple, 80%, 70%, whatever you think you are. Don't stop giving yourself to the call. Don't stop because you never know who the next Al Cooper is going to be. You never know. Who the next Manuel will be if people like Cedric Brott would have not stopped tugging on my, my heart for months. You don't know who the next missionary overseas will be if you remain faithful and submit to discipleship. Do things the way God says. These altars are open. I want to invite you to come. Find a place to pray. Perhaps God spoke to you and dealt with you with some things. Maybe this morning in this altar is a time where you can answer that question. Am I really a disciple? God, help me. I want to be one. I want to be an example to others as we sing this song. Hallelujah.